The following program is underwritten by... Do you have a dog that pulls? The Halty product range by the Company of Animals has something to help stop your dog pulling. From the Halty harness to the Halty OptiFit head collar. Company of Animals. For all your pet's training and behavior needs at www.companyofanimals.us. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Uh, well, Judy is screening your calls toll-free at 1-866-405-8405 for uh, either Dr. Debbie, who's straight ahead of me, Joey Villani to my left, or even Ladybug, the studio stunt dog who occasionally answers calls here at uh, Animal Radio. We're going to talk to uh, the hotel that's making all the news in Asheville, North Carolina. Is it North Carolina? Yes, it is. They are adopting. They, they're bringing animals in from a local adoption shelter to be adopted at their hotel. So guests come into the hotel. They see these animals, <laughs> and they say, they fall in love with them and end up adopting them and taking wow. them home. And apparently they've had a, a tremendous success rate. You heard uh, Tammy Trujillo reporting about this several weeks uh, back. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you got on the docket today, Tammy? Well, you know, you never should ignore a dog that won't stop barking and trying to tell you something. We've got a story of a guy who nearly did, but the little dog was so persistent that this little teeny tiny dachshund was instrumental in getting his best friend, a 180-pound St. Bernard, rescued. We'll tell you how he did it. Also, Mike Ritland will be joining us. We're supposed to have him on a couple of weeks back, but we ran out of time. This guy created, he first of all, he's a Navy SEAL, or was a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. And he saw that there was a need for transitions for animals that were served in the military uh, when they came back home, just as there are for regular soldiers, you know, and that some wow. animals go through PTSD and the other things. Oh, that, man, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and then how to get back to civilian life after being that in makes, war. Never thought about that, but they see so much horrible yeah. stuff I, you and would think do so many things. The sounds of guns and, and, yeah. and cars backfire. Yeah, fireworks, all kinds of wow. stuff. Well, he's put together an organization, a nonprofit, to help these animals transition back to regular civilian life. And we're going to be talking to him in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Judy just handed me this story. This is this is kind of an ironic, interesting story out of Co- Coconut Creek, Florida, about a police dog. He's being kicked off the force after oh, biting no. a donut shop worker. A Dunkin' oh, no, Donuts too worker. Good. <laughs> oh, my God. And apparently he also bit an officer in two separate incidents. But we're focusing on the donut shop yeah. today. Officials say Uh-oh. four-year-old Renzo, he had been with the Coconut Creek Police Department for more than a year. The Belgian Malinois, which are very smart dogs, bit oh, an God, officer. Beautiful. Yeah. But apparently bit an officer in November while tracking a suspect. And last week, he burst out of a patrol car and bit a Dunkin' Donuts worker right in the calf. So he's been let go from the police force. Yeah, if you're a police dog, you don't bite the donut guy. So are they going to adopt him out to a family that likes donuts? Or I mean, there's got to be a reason he's doing this. They can't have donuts in the house. I guess not. We need to follow up on this story here. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't know. You just you think about cops and donut shops, and to, uh-huh. to actually see that kind of was fit into the stereotype. Yes, as a dog, as a police dog, you don't want to bite the donut shop no. people. They're your friends. Sweet thing. It's not his fault. Never dog's fault. Robert. Hey, Robert. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you been? Good. Where are you calling from? Los Angeles. How can we help you? I have a tenant that moved out with her cat. Luckily, uh-huh. and they feed and whatever. All over the house. So oh. I had to throw out the carpet, and it, 
I painted the uh, subfloor, which is plywood, a couple of times trying to mask it, and I still have that smell. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, Robert, I feel bad for you. I mean, I, I appreciate people like you that rent to people with animals, and it's just, it, it is upsetting when um, something like this, this happens. It gives all the other pet owners, you know, a bad name. Oh, yeah. There. So, well, obviously, my expertise is with the animals and not so much with construction materials, but I will tell you a couple things that I have learned over the years with when it comes to these ingrained urine odors that kind of soak down through the carpet, through the carpet pad, and into the, the floor. And, you know, there there are honestly times when the subflooring has to be replaced and ripped out. And, and that's something that I would probably suggest to first have a... Um, professional cleaner, construction group, you know, kind of like when people have disasters and they have floods or, you know, mass crime scenes, things like that's the kind of uh, service that I would have out to evaluate it. Um, Sometimes they can do um, uh, a deep cleaning and then start fresh. Carpet's already gone. I, I had to throw that out. Understand, understand. But as far as in evaluating the lower structures, because sometimes you will have to replace the subflooring. That it just it can be really difficult. In some cases, um, I've had clients where we've gotten down to the subflooring, we've treated it with a kind of like an enzyme uh, odor neutralizer, um, like Nature's Miracle, which I use all the time. Um, there's also one called uh, Zero Odor. And you treat that, and then you um, seal. And, and I've had the best luck with... Um, it's that one that's called kills with a Z at the end um, as far as sealing um, subflooring and just trying to keep it impermeable to odors in the future. So I don't know if it's a matter of products that you need to look at as far as difference or, you know, if you really do need to see if the subflooring is kind of beyond help and, and that has to be replaced because that, that cat odor, cat urine odor, it is tenacious. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I heard somewhere, and I'm just now trying it as of this weekend, uh, vinegar and baking soda. Sure. I mean, and I think that that's definitely kind of a, a nice kind of a natural remedy. I don't know when you've got it in the deeper structures of the wood. I don't know if that's going to necessarily do the trick. I, I would use that more as a surface for, you know, sure. uh, either tile or, you know, more superficial things that you're going to be working with. But. Mm. Yeah, and of course I know nothing about it either, except that, <laughs> well, it's not. I'm not in construction or anything, but I know from experience and from other friends who have dealt with this. I mean, really, they had to rip the floor out. It's it's unfortunate that there's not any kind of solution that is easy. But if those cats have been living there for years or a long time, and they've been peeing for a long time, it's deep in the in the wood. And, yes, and, and it, yeah. it is too bad because it makes other renters think or other landlords think twice about renting to people with cats unfortunately absolutely absolutely wish so, we could yeah, be more I, helpful yeah okay. and, well, and, and, and you know robert i've had some some folks where they actually you know they tear out the subflooring and they have to get the pad treated so that's where i think you need to get someone in construction um to really make those evaluations for you so you can do the best long-term change that you need there very good thank- i will look into those items Thank you for your call. Wish we could be more helpful for that, uh, but it's a, it's a tough problem to deal with. The number is toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to any one of the Dream Team. And you can also ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download. You like that, huh? I like that. We're going to head back to the phones, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Uh, This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by the fine folks at World's Best Cat Litter. 
If you're tired of wasting money on those giant boxes of litter that don't last, you'll want to switch over to World's Best. It is the only litter with concentrated power, so even a small bag lasts 30 days. You can learn more over at tryworldsbest.com. You love this stuff, don't you? Uh, it's the only kind of litter I use, and you know I have a lot of pet-sitting clients, and I always recommend it to all of them. And I know a few of them have switched. I won't say what litters they did use. But you've been using it for decades. Long time. A long time. Over 10 years. I don't know how long they've been around, but I've been using them forever. Once you use it, you'll understand You'll why. understand. You just can't go back to that other litter. Tryworldsbest.com. If you have a dog that pulls, like I do, come here, Max, and let me put on the halty harness. The halty harness will help your dog stop pulling by providing front body control. Check out the Halty range by the Company of Animals. It includes the Halty training lead, Halty head collar, Halty training harness, and the OptiFit head collar, which comes with a DVD training guide. To find a Halty range retailer near you, visit www.companyofanimals.us. It will change your life. Good boy, Max. Hi, I'm Jimmy Van Patten, and I'm here to talk to you about our solution-oriented treats for cats and dogs. Natural Balance Pet Foods offers several nutritious treat formulas with tasty solutions for pets. Our treats feature unique ingredients like venison, duck, and salmon, accented with cranberries and pumpkin, and offer grain-free options. At Natural Balance, our philosophy is to provide pets and their owners the food for a lifetime. Natural Balance treats truly treat them right. For more information, visit Natural Balance Inc. Would you wait several days for your shower to get hot? Would you wait several days to feel the full effect of relief from your nasal congestion? Flonase Allergy Relief Nasal Spray could take that long. But if you're congested now and you want powerful relief now, use Afrin No-Drip. Afrin starts working in seconds and keeps working for 12 hours. So why wait several days to feel the full effect? You can start to get relief in seconds with Afrin. Afrin, powerful congestion relief without the wait. Use as directed. Hey, are you all set for your fishing trip? Mm-hmm. Did you pack the beer? Um. Wait, is that some twisted tea I see in the back of the car? Come on, twisted tea. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> twisted tea, realized tea taste with a cake. I don't know. One of the guys must have snuck it in there. Oh, come on. <laughs> I bet you're craving the realized tea taste of twisted tea. I know. It's so refreshing. It is. It's so smooth. It's pretty smooth. But if you want me to take it out. Uh, hold on to it. Uh, we might have one or, or several. <laughs> twisted tea, realized tea taste with a cake. Twisted Tea Brewing Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. Drink responsibly. Hi, this is Terry Annie Nava from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Wow, that's tremendous. That's pretty cool. Okay, well, let me tell listeners. It is Animal Radio. And if you're new, you probably don't know yet that every Wednesday over at our Facebook page... We ask you to upload your wackiest pet pictures. And every Wednesday, we count up all the likes and the shares, and we give the one with the most likes and the most shares a, an amazing prize. And i got to tell you, the prizes have been stepping up. We just gave out a shark vacuum worth about $300 a couple of weeks ago. And today, another really impressive prize uh, just for your wacky pet pictures. Uh, Miss Vanna Francis, what do we have? Well, I hope I don't butcher the name, but I believe it's Gibi. 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 It's a GPS pet location service. And what you do is you take this Gibi, you just attach it to your dog's collar and activate it. And with Gibi, your pet is only a button click away. It's pretty so, small. Yeah, it's small. It'll attach to any collar. It's waterproof. It's it's 
great for the really tough, running, destructive dogs, and this way you can track and know where your dog is all the time. Mm. If you'd like to pick up on that, then head on over to our Facebook page and upload your wacky pet pictures every Wednesday. And as I usually say, if... If you don't have any wacky pet pictures to upload, well, go vote over there. Go like the pictures that you that you think are fun and wacky and should win the prize for this week. We're just moments away from Michael Ritland, our hero of the week. He does some amazing things with uh, military animals, bringing them back to civilian life. Aren't you going to share your chips? No way. <laughs> I'm greedy. What can I say? I kind of sound like a potbelly pig here, don't I? The lunch of champions. Mm-hmm. Pepsi and chips. Diet Pepsi. Diet Pepsi. And I, and I will tell you, the peanut butter and jelly went down at like 10.30 this morning, so <laughs> that's why we've moved on to the so you, You've jumpers. already had peanut butter and jelly today. Wow. Mm-hmm. I worked out this morning, man. I'm hungry. Do you eat anything green? Anything? Absolutely. Yeah. All the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> gummy gummy bears. No, and it's not <laughs> mold on things either. <laughs> Let's head back to the phones toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. For the Dream Team, we go to Loriston calling from Dallas. Hi, Loriston. How are you doing? Hey, guys. How are you, Brody? Very good. Thank you. What's going on? Well, you know, we're we're snowed in here in Dallas today. No, not really. Really? It's 27 degrees. We are iced in and shut down. Holy moly. But uh, it's a great time. I'm here uh, at home, and I've got my son here, and I've got Max, and that's my story in question today. Okay. All right. What's up with Max? Well, Max, is, uh, he's about two and a half years old. He's a highly intelligent, half shepherd, half Labrador mix. Um, he's a rescue, and uh, he's been trained at Man's Best Friend, and he's just brilliant. He knows all of his commands. But I also am a single father, and I have my son about 65 70% of the time. And when I bring Lorston home, um, everything's fine. There's no aggressions, playtime, stuff like that. But when I leave and I come back again, Max has gotten into a habit. Let me know that he's not happy about something because he's getting in the garbage can and pulling out napkins or things like that and chewing them up and leaving it right by the door that he knows I'm coming into. And then he's also decided to start getting into our cat and having a cat hors d'oeuvre in the litter box. And this is all just recently starting to happen. And okay. I'm just kind of wondering what I can do other than picking up the garbage can and putting it up or putting him in his crate because, you know, Max is trained to take care of our home, and I don't want him to not be about his business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So do you – does he do this behavior when your son isn't around, or is it only when he's visiting with you? Well, um, you know, he's starting to do it all the time now. When we go out in the backyard and start to play, we'll come back in and there'll be another napkin or something that he's found and torn up just a little bit just to let me know that something's not there. Um, so, you know, we try to take him out to play with us. You know, he's with us a lot. It's just it seems to be getting more and more frequent. Well, you, you've got a, a mix of two really intelligent and also very driven dogs. So shepherds and labs, they need jobs. And that's that's kind of, a, I think, apparent right now is that, you know, I, I would hesitate to say that he's jealous or he's trying to punish you for spending time with your son, um, but he's, he needs to do something. And uh, the number one thing that I would prescribe for a dog that is chewing on things, getting into things, is to really make them tired physically in some way. However, we can make that happen, whether that's a matter of taking him to doggy daycare, um, taking him on long walks, um, jogs, um, or even getting a doggy treadmill and training him to a doggy treadmill at home. But to have him more physically exerted 
will help to decrease the kind of the naughty, like, what am I going to do and get into now? And if there are activities that you can include with your son, you know, going out for walks, um, you know, your, your son's out on a bike or something like that, and then, um, you know, having him participate and go along will, will help him mentally to know that when you're leaving the house, um, all is good, you're coming back, there's just things that are going on. That that would be a really big part of things, is, is truly the physical exertion. A doggy treadmill, I really never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I have one that I use for my dogs when they, you know, weather's bad, summers are hot in Vegas, and, and it's a great way to, to just burn off a little bit of that energy. It doesn't make them exhausted, but it just takes the, takes the energy from high amp to low amp. <laughs> Was it easy to train them to do that? Yeah, you know, remarkably. And I think a lot of people, we offer it for my patients that come in for boarding. A lot of people are like, my dog will never do it, never do it. And you know what? If you do it slow, you pair it with positive associations, meaning food, um, you know, it's it's a breeze. And, and I have all my dogs that they're comfortable with the, the treadmill. In fact, they just, they'll sit on top of it. My little boss will sit on top of the treadmill and say, okay, I'm ready. When do we start? Now, <laughs> are you using human treadmills or do you have a special doggy treadmill? I have a doggy treadmill, um, but you you can use the human treadmills. Um, they are sometimes a little bit kind of challenging for dogs to get used to because they have kind of that big old um, kind of the the piece in front, you know, where you're walking. And dogs like to see where they're going. And we always kind of put treadmills in a corner looking at a wall, and that's not very appealing to a dog. So they want to look out, and they want to be able to see out. Um, but you can still train them to a human treadmill. It just makes it a little bit more. Where would I get um, a dog treadmill? I've never even heard of that. That's amazing. Yes. Well, you can get them online as far as um, some of the local um, pet stores out here also have them. Um, as far as I'm trying to think, of course, I'm going to the Dog Pacer is the name of the treadmill that I have. And they have a mini size for small dogs and then a larger size um, that can be used for small and large dogs. And I think price point, you're, you know, somewhere around 500 bucks, 400 bucks, something like that for the larger one. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of an investment, but, you know, if you're in an area where you can't always exercise your pet outdoors, um, or you don't have the ability to leave the house, that's, that's a great thing to do. Mm. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, Max is at 98 pounds, so I'll have to look into getting a large. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And then a couple of just quick other uh, suggestions that I'll have for you. For the, I found for my Labrador, the best kind of litter, or litter box, uh, garbage can is really the kind with the foot pedal that opens up like a bivalve up top. And that is secure. Um, so invest in one of those. You can get them at regular old uh, home stores. Um, but the foot pedal, and then it opens and it shuts right down. Stainless steel, very durable. Um, so that that's a great investment. And then also kind of the food uh, dispensing toys. There's lots of them we talk about on this show um, that you can put the food in there and kind of gives them something to do or the little busy cubes where you put treats or food in and they shake it around. Give them something to do. Um, you know, and it's just kind of a way to keep them occupied and stimulated. I'll do that. Thank you so much. Well, thank All you right. for your call, Lauriston. Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by the fine folks at Company of Animals. You know the folks that make the Halty Optifit collar. If you have a dog that pulls, and you all know somebody that does, you can actually steer your dog gently by his head, just like you would a horse, using the Halty Optifit collar. And you can find the Halty Range retailer near you at www.companyofanimals.us. Now, I know, Joey, you have a pooler, and I know that you got one of these, and you've been trying it out. Any luck? It's absolutely great. You know what? They don't pull. They learn right away that, hey, what's going on here? 
<laughs> you know, and some people think that, that it looks cruel, but it's not. It's not cruel no, at it's all. Not. It's, it's, it's a way to lead them gently, and they walk right along, and they go where their nose goes. So if you can just guide them, like you say, just like a horse. Except, of course, with smaller poops. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're just a few minutes away from a check of our news, but I want to take a second to answer a quick email that just came in off the Animal Radio app. What do you got there, Judy? I've got one from Steve. He's our over-opinionated truck driver. Good old oh, Steve. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he calls in all the time. He's a he's a regular listener. He wants to know if fresh oatmeal is good for his dogs. He says oh, they yeah. love it, and he feeds it to them all the time. Mm. Uh, well, you know, Steve, I'd have to say that dogs like a lot of things we feed them. Um, <laughs> and and I, I never allow my dogs to say, hmm, this tastes really good. I'm going to eat it, and I'm going to believe them because they'll eat just about anything I throw at them. Uh-huh. Um, oatmeal is not a bad ingredient at all. It's a good carbohydrate. It's got great fiber in it. Um you know, I'd have to say use good judgment. Dogs don't necessarily need us to supplement things, uh, adding in extra things here and there. If you're feeding a good quality dog food, uh, I tend to stay with that. I'm not a big fan of mixing and adding things a um, little bit every day. Probably not a problem. Um, but I would certainly keep those big bowls of oatmeal away and save that for you and your cholesterol. <laughs> Yeah, hey, you know what? I want to throw in something there because I know Ladybug loves to have a little bit of the instant oatmeal that I have, but it's sugar-free, and the sugar so- substitute is xylitol. So I don't let her have any of it. And I, hey, she, yes. what are you doing? There's I, no xylitol. Xylitol's no good. That? No xylitol. No. No. Absolutely no. not. So if, xylitol is very dangerous for dogs, and it is found in a lot of sugar-free products. So that is very serious, Hal, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to really report you on that one. If I catch you doing that, it was an accident. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Animal Radio is underwritten by Natural Balance Pet Foods, the finest food and treats you can buy for your pet. No matter which formula of Natural Balance Pet Food or solution-oriented treat you choose, it will truly be the food for a lifetime and a treat to treat them right. Visit naturalbalanceinc.com to learn more. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies with thousands of quality products at low prices every day so you save on every order. Visit fosterandsmith.com. I'm Tammy Trujillo. A class action lawsuit's been filed in California against Purina, charging the company's beneficial dog food is making dogs sick and even killing some. It was brought by a man, Frank Lucido, who says he started his three dogs, a German Shepherd, a Lab, and an English Bulldog, on beneficial at the first of the year. And by the middle of the month, by the middle of January, the German Shepherd started losing hair and became violently ill. The vet, who said the dog had bleeding in his stomach and that his liver was not working right, said it was consistent with poisoning. Less than a week later, the English Bulldog was found dead in the family's yard, and an necropsy found the same issues as with the German Shepherd. The lab's now gotten ill as well and is being treated. The lawsuit says the Association for Truth in Pet Food independently tested Benefil and found that, quote, Benefil Original contains dangerous levels of mycotoxins. Mycotoxins are a group of toxins produced by fungus that occurs in grains, and grains are a principal ingredient in Benefil. So far, there's been no statement or comment from Purina. 
Well, a lot of people were shocked and surprised when a four-year-old beagle won this year's Westminster Dog Show in New York. But Miss P was absolutely flawless in her routine, according to Judge David Merriam, and didn't even give up one yelp. And anybody who has a beagle is going to tell you that's nearly an impossibility. They're a very noisy breed. You could tell Miss P was excited. Her tail never did stop. Her big win really shouldn't have been that much of a surprise either. Her great uncle is Uno, and that was the beagle that broke the breeds over 100-year-old losing streak when he won Westminster in 2008. There is a very little dachshund that's being hailed as a hero for saving his best friend, a huge St. Bernard. Jazzy is a 180-pound St. Bernard. She got out of the yard last month in New Mexico. She ended up stuck in a cold, muddy ditch for about 18 hours. Now, Tim Chavez is Jazzy's guardian and says his other dog, a very tiny dachshund named Razor, was trying to let him know something was happening. She was barking and, as he says, going absolutely nuts. In fact, Razor was frantically barking at anybody who might have been able to help. And finally, a passerby followed Razor to the ditch. It took eight police and firefighters to pull off the rescue using backboard straps and a long spine board, same thing they would use for a person. And they finally saved that big dog out of two feet of mud. And I would say Belene, New Mexico, sounds like a really great place to live because the city council honored Razor for his actions at their meeting last week. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been a an animal radio news update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies. Visit fosterandsmith.com for pet supplies selected by veterinarians with 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Doctors Foster and Smith, your trusted source for quality, affordable pet supplies. Veterinarian owned with veterinary expertise behind every product. Doctors Foster and Smith has thousands of name brand pet products, including pet medications, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day, so you save on every order with free shipping on orders $49 or more. Fast service delivered right to your door. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. Things aren't the same as they were when Geico started saving people money over 75 years ago. We didn't have reality TV. Back then, it was just reality. The most exciting thing that ever happened was when Jimmy got his head stuck in a gopher hole. And trust me, that's not a show anyone would binge watch. Yep, we didn't have much entertainment. But switching our car insurance to GEICO was pretty exciting. GEICO, saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio. Hi, Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. How can we help you today? Well, I have a little problem I was uh, wanting uh, your advice on. Um, about five years ago, our next-door neighbor's cat had a litter of about uh, five kittens. And when the kittens were, oh, three, four months old, um, they suddenly moved, uh, leaving leaving the cats uh, to fend for themselves. Um, mm. So uh, in the morning, I woke up with five hungry uh, kittens at my door. And, of course, uh, being the sucker that I am, um, <laughs> I, uh, I've been... Um, uh, feeding them for the last uh, five years. I just give them, uh, uh, give them some dry and a little bit of wet cat food um, in the evening, and that's about the extent of my uh, care. But but certainly, I have been uh, feeding them every night. Um, now the problem is, uh, we are going to be moving, so uh, I'm just sort of wondering what to do with the cats. I've sort of hinted around at some neighbors, um, and nobody's really interested in, in taking on that responsibility. So I didn't know if I should just let them fend for themselves. Should I 
catch them and take them to the pound, which I'd prefer not to do. And I just wanted your uh, advice on that. Okay, yeah. And I'm assuming these babies aren't spayed or neutered. Nobody's taken... Oh, no, they, they, um, they, were, uh, they were spayed and neutered before, um, uh, before they left. Uh, oh, okay. So yeah, when you so, say a litter, I was imagining kittens that were blossoming and growing and reproducing at mass quantities. That's not. Oh what, no, what no. The, we were uh, quite quite lucky that uh, they did take the responsibility and do that uh, before they left. But uh, this was okay. a sudden move. So. <clears throat> yeah, and you know what? Um, I know that there's cats that can live in feral colonies and they can have decent lives, but golly, I, I would say that as much as we might hate to have to introduce them into the shelter system, there is somebody who wants to take care of these kitties, and we can find them. Um, so I'm really an advocate of getting them picked up, okay. taking them either to the shelter or through some of the different adoption um, agencies maybe in your area that will help to place feral cats or for cats that are displaced, you know, because they're Sounds like they're not really feral in the sense of, you know, they've been wild cats that grew up outside. They were probably pet cats that these folks left behind, I'm assuming. Well, they left them when they were uh, uh, kittens, and, um, you know, like I said, I have been feeding them, but, you know, they catch their fair share of birds and lizards and so forth. Um, but um, I guess uh, cats generally don't do well when just sort of turned out. Um, it would be better to take them to, the, uh, to some sort of uh, agency. I, I would definitely encourage you to get you know some kind of humane agency involved, and um, I guess myself, I I personally, I guess I would have a hard time leaving them behind, knowing that your other neighbors aren't too interested in helping. You know, will they fend for themselves? Yeah, but it's going to be a rough road, and you uh-huh. know certainly um, the potential for you know further disease or injury outside. Um, you know, I just. I am definitely an advocate of trying to get them the help that they need. And it's no different, you know, just if we have, you know, someone who's displaced from their home as far as trying to get them to a, an organization, a resource that we can use to help right. them. And, and it would be great if one of your neighbors did step up to the bat. But um, but otherwise, I, I certainly would get involved in, and see what we can do for them. It's well, a tough thing to do because uh, we moved into a house here, and there it came with a cat, and I, now I can't move. Because it's too dependent upon it. Ever again. We wish you the best of luck with that, Robert. Thanks for your call at 1 866 405 8405. Hi, Laura. Hello. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from? Maryland. How beautiful. Well, I've got the good doctor here. How can we help you? Well, I didn't want to over vaccinate my three year old huskies, um, but. Uh, I didn't know what you thought about rabies and whether we should do that all the time and because she also will sometimes um, get rodents or what have you to get in the yard. Mm, Okay. Well, definitely. And I can understand the concerns. Everyone's, you know, we don't want to do too much to hurt our pets. So there's a good point with vaccinations and there's a concern level. Now, at three years of age, if we have pets that are going outside, I, I guess I'm going to stick on the side of preventative medicine, and I think that vaccinations are going to be very important for your pets. All that being said, uh, there's other things that we want to deal with as well. Now, rabies vaccination is a very big concern, and rabies is a huge problem across the country. So it is not something that I would ever recommend somebody just opt out of because they were choosing to. 
There might be some medical conditions where we might say, ugh, maybe this might be dangerous for the pet, but uh, that's the rarity. Uh, for the average pet, rabies is a very big real concern. And in fact, there are stories all across the country of even puppies, kittens that come in and we find out have rabies, that they've been exposed to a wild animal, uh, an infected animal, and uh, sadly they're put to sleep. Um, it's a human health concern, so I really don't play around with rabies. Um, a lot of the wildlife vectors, the different animals carry this disease, so you do want to make sure you stay up with that vaccine very regularly, uh, every year to three years, depending on what state you live in. And, and I'm really a fan of sticking to the regular vaccination protocols until a pet gets into more of their senior years. Then I focus a little bit more on senior wellness care, which may not be vaccinating. We might do a vaccine titer instead. And a titer is basically a blood test that we test for potential antibody protection against a disease like parvovirus or distemper virus. And that might give us a little bit of an ease of mind, if you will, that um, you know an older pet doesn't need a vaccine because they've been protected and they've got good titers or good level for that. But otherwise, yeah, I'd say make sure we keep those pets uh, healthy there, Laura, with the, the regular vaccination protocol and then the deworming. So... Thank you for your call today, 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. This is Animal Radio, baby. Up next, a call for Dr. Debbie. We have Lynn on the phone. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Where are you calling Hi. from today? Well, I'm in Arkansas right now. I'm a truck driver. Well, welcome to the show. I have Dr. Debbie right here to answer your questions. Uh, what I was wanting to know is, can I feed my cat raw meat and fish as opposed to any of the canned stuff? And would I have to add vitamins and taurine to it if I did? Well, I'd have to say that, you know, we know that kitties are obligate carnivores, so they need meat. Um, I am not a fan of feeding raw meat and fish in a substitution for a good quality balanced commercial cat food for a couple of reasons. And you mentioned one thing, taurine, which is an important amino acid that if we do feed a raw meat, raw fish-based diet, we're going to very likely run into multiple deficiencies, including a taurine deficiency, which is so important for cats. They have a four-time greater need for this amino acid than dogs do. So it's very easy for them, if we don't meet their needs with diet, that they can have a problem reading, leading into all sorts of heart problems and eye problems. So, um, no, I don't think that feeding just a supplement is going to make up for that. Um, there's also going to be other um, amino acids, um, nutrients. Um, there's even kitties that will have a thiamine deficiency, which is a B vitamin. Um, and that can actually result because feeding raw fish actually can have a uh, enzyme that breaks down the ability of the body to absorb B vitamins. So that can also cause a whole round of other types of um, problems. So um, my bottom suggestion is I, I really wouldn't recommend going there. Um, if the base of the diet is a good quality cat diet, then I think you're better off to do that. And, uh, you know, I know 
oodles of people that would say, oh, I fed my cat tuna here and there. Um, you know, but you just got to be very careful. There's, um, you know, higher uh, risk of bacterial related um, infections, these nutritional deficiencies. Um, and I just don't know that I would really want to gamble with that. Plus, traveling, my gosh, isn't it easier just to <laughs> make a commercial diet in your situation? Well, um, I, we have ways to this on the truck. And uh, I was just, it seems like she has kind of a problem with some of the canned cat foods. And she'll eat them. And before she can even walk away from the dish, she's already thrown it up. Yeah. And, you know, there are some kitties that cannot tolerate canned food. I see a lot of them sometimes start off where we just think it's just the canned food they can't tolerate, and then with time we go on to discover they may actually have more established intestinal disease, such as inflammatory bowel disease. So I think sometimes that's kind of the early start that we make those notices, and then later on we discover they really do have more of a a digestive problem. Hi, Randy Travis here, and you're listening to Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio. We are celebrating our connection with our pets toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. When I travel, I always look for the pet-friendly hotels, and this next hotel is not only pet-friendly, but they actually are doing something really cool for the animals, and especially adoptable animals, and we have the Assistant General Manager, Emma Ledbetter, joining us. Hi, Emma. How are you doing? Hi, doing well. How are you? Very good. So tell us what you do over at a loft hotel. Where is that located? We are located in Asheville, North Carolina, in the heart of downtown. And what do you guys do over there that makes it so special? Well, right now, currently, we have a foster program going, and we are working with Charlie's Angels Animal Rescue. A foster program? Yes, we foster one dog at a time. But you're a hotel. At the hotel. So they stay at the, (laughs) the dog stays at the hotel 24 hours a day. Oh, okay. And we have a pen in our lobby um, that has information about the dog and about Charlie's Angels. Um, the name of the dog, the breed of the dog, how long they've been at a loft, and they wear an adopt me harness, and uh, that is they so hang out cool. and greet the guests in the lobby. Well, now, how did you guys come up with that idea? Well, we were thinking that it would be nice to have, since we are pet, fr- we're dog friendly. It'd be nice to have a hotel dog, and we met up with a few people from Charlie's Angels and came up with the idea that we would have one dog at a time from the rescue. Um, Charlie's Angels president, Kim Smith, she um, picks the dog, makes sure that it's friendly for the hotel, uh-huh. that they're they're not like a barker or any sort of like timid. They, they're very friendly with the guests and that they're great dogs. And they hang out in the lobby and they greet all the guests and hang out with the associates of the hotel. So the bottom line here is you're trying to adopt these animals out. Have you had any luck so far? Absolutely. Since August, when we started the program, we are on dog 21. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Fantastic. You mean you've had 21 guests come in there and see these adoptable animals and say, hey, I'm going to go home with one of these? Absolutely. About 80, It's about 80-20. Um, 80% um, guests have adopted the dogs and 20% Jeez. locals. Wow. Wow, that's So amazing. they go as 
Um, we've had actually two dogs now go as far as Massachusetts. Fabulous idea. It's a great <laughs> idea. But what I'm thinking is that this should expand beyond just hotels. I mean, any business that is pet friendly, yeah. bring in That's an That's what ad- we're hoping. That's what we're hoping. Paint stores. Yeah. And, and lots Hardware of the stores, stores in Asheville, you walk in and people bring their dogs to work. And that's kind of where the idea started. Could we have a hotel dog? And then now we've had 21 hotel dogs. That's amazing. Well, I commend you guys for this wonderful idea and adopting so many animals out. And I encourage anybody who happens to be in the Asheville area uh, to check out. and see our foster dog. Emma, thank you so much for joining us and telling us about what you guys are doing over there. Absolutely. My pleasure. Take care. That's a fun idea. 21 Well, it dogs. actually has been done. At a, uh, a clothing boutique really? in Beverly Hills in California, yeah, where they periodically are bringing in adoptable dogs to kind of hang out at the boutique throughout the day and greet everybody, and they make it very clear that fall in love and you can go through the adoption process. So th- this concept really does work. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, I know Tom's been waiting for a while. one 405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Fantastic. How are you? Good. Where are you today? Oh, central Ohio. I drive a truck cross-country, and I'm, well, I'm just outside of Toledo. Do you take your animal with you? Uh, I would like to, but uh, I, I've never heard of this. The dog gets car sick. Hmm. I can't believe it. Oh, it's actually fairly common. Yeah, what kind of dog you got? Uh, I, I have a 15-month-old uh, bagel, half basset, half beagle, and uh, <laughs> we, picked him up, uh, we picked him up a couple of months ago at the Humane Society, and the, the the poor guy didn't even make it like five miles down the road. He started throwing up. We took him to the vet, and the vet said it was because he had wor- uh, he had worms, and we got okay. him wormed, and he had a bit of an air infection. Took care of that, but the dog continues to get caustic. He can't make it more than about ten miles. What what would cause that? Well, I mean, dogs can definitely have true motion sickness, just like us. If you get on the tilt a whirl and you're equilibrium doesn't like it, you can get sick to your stomach. And dogs definitely can have that same effect. However, more times than not, they actually can have anxiety with car travel, and it can still lead to the same effects of vomiting, nausea, trembling, shaking, all of that. So it can be a little challenging to know which situation you're in. Some of the basic things that I look at when I get a dog that has this problem is once they get into the car and they sit down, what do they do? Are they shaking? Are they trembling? Are they freaking out just being physically in the car? If so, you may have more of an anxiety-driven problem than truly a motion sickness problem. So look at that, and I would kind of say from there, we can gauge in some different things we can try. For true motion sickness, there are remedies. We can use things like Dramamine. There's a drug called Serenia that's used for uh, motion sickness for pets that travel, and they can be helpful. But some common sense things that we would always start with first don't feed before you travel. Um, so you would say a couple hours before traveling, no food and preferably no water right before you get in the vehicle. Um, and okay. also dogs dogs do best if they are confined and their world is a bit restricted in what they can do and see. So we don't want a dog jumping and running around the car. One, that's dangerous for you as a driver. And two, they have more anxiety because there's a lot more flying by down the roadside. And that for a pet who has anxiety, that can make things much worse. Um, so we prefer to be restrained either with a seat belt um, or in a pet carrier. And those are the best ways. And face forward, just like us, you know, you don't want to go riding backwards on the train because if you tend to get sick to the stomach, <laughs> that's going to make it worse. Um, okay. but if we're getting, if we're getting down to where we're talking anxiety as a trigger for this type of problem, 
This really gets down to where you can try to train and make it a positive experience for car travel. So the, the ways to work on that are to start with the small steps. Get your pet used to getting into the vehicle and make sure that we're calm, comfortable, and not stressed out by that. If just getting into the car starts trembling, shaking, and drooling, we have to start a step back where it's less scary. All along the way, we make it fun, we give treats, we do fun things, and we make sure that we build up to little steps of getting into the vehicle, turning the key on, and maybe even backing out of the driveway. All of that in a positive experience. If we see any vomiting, drooling, or freaking out, you stop and you take a step back and you start with a less intense exposure. Then, with time, we're going to work up to maybe going around the block, and then coming home, making sure it was a good experience, calling it a day and say, okay, we're not going to try that 10-mile ride today. We're going to do the little little short brief trips. Build up the confidence that will help to decrease the anxiety with getting into the car in the first place. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome. Here's the number. It's toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to any one of the dream team. In front of me, uh, Dr. Debbie with a Pepsi One and a bag of chips in her hands. <laughs> You're going to tell everybody I just, you're airing my dirty laundry today, Hal. I just want you to know that I just want, I'm just setting the scene. You know, we have a lot of new <laughs> listeners this week and they need to know uh, what the scene looks like. Of course, Joey Villani here eating She's a salad. Me. Yes. Yes, killing me. <laughs> because you're I'm on a diet. trying to crunch in front of you here. Yes. This hour, we're going to talk to a Navy SEAL who realized that there was a need to transition military dogs to civilian life after they're done serving their their term or their, uh, what do they call that, call of duty. Uh, when they come up over back and become a civilian dog, sometimes they suffer from, well, like PTSD, the same things that humans suffer from. And so our hero in just a few minutes created an organization to help these dogs transition back to civilian life. Very excited about that. Uh, first year calls toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Teresa, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Where are you today? We're in Omaha, Nebraska. How's it, how's it in Omaha? Well, we just adopted a Wheaton Terrier from the local Humane Society, and I had a question about grooming. Um, is there any difference between people haircutting shears and um, scissors that you would use to cut, like, the beard area of a Wheaton Terrier? Absolutely not. The only difference is, is professional groomers usually work with um, with long shears, and it's basically so you can cover more ground. You know, instead of working on a person's head, you're working on a much bigger area. But that's the only thing. If if I was um, the regular, you know, um, pet owner, I would use a, a regular small pair of shears because it's probably a lot safer for you. Okay. What do you have? What do you have? A, a, a small pair, um, and what are you trying to do? Because I might be able to help you out here. Right now, when when we adopted him, he had to be shaved totally. So just he has just the uh, beard and the little bit of tuft on his head. So right now, we were just going to try and trim around his beard a little bit and around his mouth. You, you know, it really works best if you have a pair of thinning shears. Thinning shears on that type of coat just make it look a lot more natural, and you you don't go 
across the grain, you go with it, and it'll look real natural and just and just make it a lot shorter. I hate to tell you this, though. You probably adopted, which is a wonderful thing because I like when people adopt dogs, but it's the most difficult coat, I think, of any breed to, to take care of because it's very cottony. It needs a lot of brushing, and usually Wheatons are very excitable, so they run around a lot, and which makes them not up a little bit easier. But um, And I hope you keep the fall. Please keep the hair in front of the eyes. It makes the whole breed... We'll sure try to do that. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your call today. The Wheaton Terrier, I guess, one of the harder ones to maintain coat-wise, according to Joey Volani here. Extremely, extremely. They um, they knot up real easily if they're not if they're not you know taken care of or brushed. Something to think about if you're thinking of getting one. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. Hi, Bill. Hello. Where are you calling Hi. from? Well, I am in Arizona right now. Looks like it's uh. Kahua, National Monument. I'm passing by on I-10. Wow. I got the good doctor here with me. Oh, hi. What can I help hi, you with Mama. today? Well, we have a uh, little green chicken, which that's the nickname for a Quaker parrot. <laughs> Are you familiar with Quakers? I sure am. Well, good. Because this, this guy was really acting weird. When we first got him, um, we got him in a trade for a uh, peach-faced parrot, and they told us that he could sing, he could whistle Dixie, he was very friendly. But we got him home, and he bit everybody. <laughs> oh, he was the most hateful bird? Oh, my word. Um, and it took a long time to be able to get up and, and be friendly with him. As a matter of fact, the best way to pick him up was to, and I hate to tell you this, but literally snap him off the cage, let him land on the floor, and he would what? be fine. The puppy wouldn't bite you or anything. If, if, well, if, you think if, you, if you wonder why he bit you, though. <laughs> oh, my that? God. No. You wonder why he wanted to bite you, though. He goes slap well, him off of his cage. He was talking beforehand, okay? All right. I mean, he was talking before he found that out. And if he flew at us and landed on the floor, we found out we could pick him up. And that's how okay. we found out that if we get him off the cage, he could, he could almost be friendly. I suggest mm-hmm. a perch in the future to get a, a bird off a cage that doesn't want to leave. Use a perch or a stick to get them off there. Don't slap them off there. That's just my little doctorly advice. Yeah, that, unfortunately, that didn't work either. There was nothing okay. he could do. He was about to stick. He was, he was just, he was hateful. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what's going on with this birdie? So, so the bird was like five years old when we got him, okay? We had him for three years. His name was Peewee. Well, my son... When he was 35, um, made friends with him. It took him, it took him a month to make friends with him. And so, when that we tell him, we'll just give you the bird. Well, he moved to Jackson, Mississippi with the bird. Um, about a month ago, he called me up and said, guess what, Dad? I'm like, what? He said, Pee Wee laid an egg. Oh, Pee Wee's a girl. <laughs> yeah, Pee Wee laid an egg? He said, yep. I said, wow. Um, well, is, is she okay? He said, well, the egg came out, it was broken. It, it wasn't in one piece. I'm like, wow. I said, well, how's, how's Pee Wee's attitude? Oh, she has become loving. She doesn't fight. She doesn't not want to be picked up. She's just as friendly as she can be now. And, and uh-huh. since then, since then, she's laid about three or four more eggs. Every one of them has come out broken. Hmm. Okay. Well, I was, uh, what I was wondering was, could the egg have been bound up in there for all those years, and um, that's why she was so mean, or is it, does it just take a Quaker that long to mature to lay an egg? 
Okay. And also, I'm kind of concerned that they all come out broken. Yeah, definitely. And I'd say quicker parents, age of sexual maturity really falls somewhere between one to two years of age. So they are capable of laying eggs at that time. If we don't lay eggs at that age and it comes on much later in life, um, it just, it can be a factor of, of many different uh, many different factors can rule into that. So we can have things like diet, nutrition, um, the photo period, how much daylight the bird is exposed to, uh, social stimulation, um, and overall health status. So a lot of different things go into that. So that's probably all relating to why she didn't lay eggs until she was much older. The fact that those come out broken, if they're actually coming out of her broken, then we have some problems with actual egg uh, formation. So we might have some problems going on in her reproductive tract. Some of these birds can have um, metritis or basically inflammation or infection in their in their reproductive tract. Um, sometimes there can be problems where they don't have enough calcium, um, especially if they're laying eggs very um, frequently. So some of those things may need, uh, you may warrant seeing an avian vet to kind of get to the bottom of that. I can tell you, though, that in general, if a bird is laying eggs and there's no male bird around, we know that they're infertile. And it's very similar to, oh, a woman having a period on a monthly basis. Birds can lay infertile eggs, and it's just that cycling of that reproductive tract. So if we want to try to minimize that, a couple things we can try doing. One would be we would want to try to decrease the daylight. And I usually try to keep the daylight no more than um, 10 to 12 hours of daylight a day. And we can decrease that, and that might help shut down some of that reproductive activity. Uh, the other thing is, you know, your son might be just really bonding to her well, and socially that's changing her personality. She's becoming more outgoing, gregarious, and that can also, unfortunately, sometimes uh, hasten the production of eggs. So uh, sometimes getting overly affectionate and getting our birds worked up uh, can actually contribute to this egg-like behavior. So I say broken eggs coming out of bird means go to see the vet. Broken eggs in the nest as she's laying them means we got a bird that's just kind of getting destructive and trampling on her eggs. Um, and that's more of a behavioral thing. So uh, I, I get the old phone book out, find. Does anyone use the phone book anymore? Is it all? That's so old school. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, I'd say see an avian vet about the, the abnormal egg delivery, and uh, hopefully we can shut down that reproductive tract and just make her be a happy bird without these kind of egg-laying issues. Good luck with that, Bill. one 405 8405 You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 Animal Radio's Hero People is underwritten by Zuterin, the only FDA-approved non-surgical method for sterilization of male dogs. Zuterin offers an alternative to neutering male dogs, thus helping reduce the pet overpopulation problem. One injection provides a safe, permanent, and virtually painless alternative to surgical castration. Zuterin, a permanent and cost-effective alternative to neutering male dogs. Learn more at www.zuterin.com. That's Z-E-U-T-E-R-I-N.com. At Stella and Chewy's, they're dedicated to the simple proposition that pets should be healthy and happy. Their commitment to quality starts with their ingredients. Every Stella and Chewy's product is made with raw, naturally raised meat, poultry, or fish, sourced from USDA-inspected facilities without added hormones or antibiotics. Unlike commercial pet food, which is one of the most highly processed products on the planet with much of its nutritional value cooked away, Stella and Chewy's dog and cat food is nutritious and delicious. Learn more at StellaandChewy's.com. When the leading antihistamine and Nasacort go nose-to-nose, Nasacort wins. 
stopping more of the chemical responses that can cause your nasal allergy symptoms. And when you stop more causes, you get 24-hour relief from sneezing, an itchy runny nose, even congestion. It's prescription strength medicine available over the counter. Nasacort Allergy 24-Hour stops more of what makes you miserable. Uses directed. You know canine caviar for their great human-grade ingredients in your dog's food. We now continue that tradition and excellent pet nutrition with seven single-serving cat food trays. We love our cats and dogs, and that's why we're featuring all human-grade tuna, salmon, and chicken proteins with other hand-chosen ingredients to promote proper nutrition. They're in environmentally friendly, recyclable, BPA-free plastic trays. Look for canine and feline caviar products at your local pet supply store or online. For more information, call 800 392 I'm Beth Stern on Animal Radio and Adopt from Your Local Shelter. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is Animal Radio, my friend. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to speak to the veterinarian or the dog groomer. Joey Volani or Dr. Debbie, all here for you. Oh, by the way, you can ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download thanks to those folks over at Doctors Foster and Smith. Tammy, what are you working on this hour? Well, you know, of course, there was a lot of buzz a couple weeks back with the Oscars. All right, always is. But did you know, I didn't until I did the story, that there is something called the Poskers. The Poskers? And they honor, yes, Poskers, (laughs) P-A-W-S-C-A-R-S. Apparently these have been going on about eight years, so I don't know why we've missed it, but they honor animal achievement in film. And I will have this year's winners for you. Oh, how exciting. I'm going to stick around Mm -hmm. for that. Uh, let's uh, go to your We call. should be invited. Yeah, we should. I, I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. We are not letting this slip by next year, Posker folk. <laughs> okay, it's all about you. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 right now. Okay, Dan. Hello, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? Excellent. I feel kind of silly with the nature of my the question that I have, but um, my uh, situation is with one of my dogs, Russ. And, um, okay, it's not it's silly just, at all. I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. One of your dogs is what? Has some um, some rather strong breath. Oh, breath. Halitosis. Okay. Yeah, I, yes, that's that's one nice way of saying <laughs> it, I guess. But um, I have two dogs. They're both rusty dogs, and they're both small Chihuahua mutts, I guess, or mixed dogs. But um, they both eat the same. They both, you know, are indoor dogs. But one's breath, I can't understand why it's so much worse than the other, even though we, we brush his teeth and we give him the little green minty bones and everything but i just can't seem to get rid of it okay and how old are your dogs my dogs is one is four and the other one is two four and you said two correct okay i'm sorry i'm having trouble i have a a symphony of dogs behind me here here. (laughs) um and if if i were to kind of look in your doggy's mouth and lift up their lip what would i see uh no his gums and his teeth look perfectly like you know normal white and healthy gums and everything and and um i just yeah they both have the same same look inside their mouths basically both white and healthy gums okay because for small dogs um certainly the front teeth are some of the first teeth that we do start to see dental problems but because their mouths are so tiny it can be a challenge to look in the back and i'd want to make sure that in the back we don't have any um you know tartar accumulation because even if you're seeing just a little bit of yellow to brown or even greenish colors on those teeth that is enough to create a rich environment and that's basically a bunch of 
uh, calcium products, and bacteria. And that is one of the most common causes of bad breath in dogs is even low-grade dental disease. So I'd want to make sure we're checking that thoroughly. And so make sure you get a dental exam. Check those, have your gums checked out. If there are even a little bit of red or pink, then gingivitis and periodontal disease may be present. And, and that's always my number one thought when I smell bad breath in a dog. Um, now, if you're doing a regular home dental care, it's, you know, it sounds like you're kind of up on all of this stuff. So, so maybe we're not leaning the dental way and we need to look at some other avenues. And for some pets, um, bad breath is also a potential sign of problems digestively. And even though one of your pets may be doing really well with the diet you're currently on, it's always possible that um, bad breath can be a result of digestive um, unrest. So um, whether it's like an inflammatory bowel disease condition where the pets just don't tolerate the foods well, um, or it just kind of creates a different... Um, uh, environment within the stomach, we can sometimes get some pretty foul breath from uh, gastrointestinal problems. So potentially a change in diet might be useful, and even adding in um, something like a probiotic, uh, which is the good bacteria that helps to restore uh, the stomach's balance, and, and that might be something to look at. Um, but I would definitely Do you have any recommendations as for one where I would where I would obtain this probiotic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, some um, pet stores do carry probiotics. Um, um, most veterinary offices do carry those. And I most typically for dogs and cats, I use one that's made by the Purina company. Um, and that is my favorite one, um, that um, it's in a powder form. You add it to their food. Um, you know, but, you know, you didn't mention what kind of food you fed, but um, like I said, and even just a switch in a variety of brand, is it a dry or a canned variety you're uh, we using? Actually kinda, we actually kind of, we give only organic food, but it, we kind of mix um, the dry with some uh, in it. Um, I'm not sure how, how correct that is, but that's the way they seem to like it a lot, to mix the dry with the wet a little bit. But it's organic, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it's, you know, I don't know, maybe I should just, I've changed a couple different brands, and I haven't really seen any any difference. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just confused, you know, I guess it makes sense, so not every dog's going to react the same way, but I was just kind of thrown off by the fact that one would have, you know, very not good breath and the other one <laughs> wouldn't. Yeah, well, I mean, it definitely happens within, you know, families that have dogs from the same litter. Um, it, it definitely is, there's an individual variation you can run into. And, and I definitely keep up your efforts on the home dental care. Um, brushing teeth is a great way to help keep that plaque and bacteria down. There's also some sprays and rinses, and um, I like some of them um, that you can apply either by toothbrush method or you can actually squeeze them on the gums. And that, too, might help with um, helping keep that breath fresh and clean. Um, and I do know uh, one of our uh, uh, um, suppliers um, of OxyFresh, there's also a product you can add into the water that helps to restore and helps keep that breath fresh. Um, so that's something else that, you know, you can try. There are a lot of different things that our arsenal you can give a, give a whirl there. Uh, I'll definitely try both the, the probiotic and the OxyFresh and, uh, and cross my fingers. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be able to, <laughs> to get it taken yeah. care of. Yeah, and keep up, like I said, keep up those efforts with dental dental care. That that'll go a long way, not only to keep their their breath fresh, but to keep their mouth healthy and the rest of their body healthy. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Give me a call or email me at docdebbie at animalradio dot com. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Hi, Kathy. This is Dr. Debbie. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Maine. All right. And what kind of critters do you have? I have a nine-year-old uh, yellow lab. 
and we have noticed it's been about five years now but he's got he limps and um we had him x-rayed at the vets we did like full x-rays on all his shoulders and stuff because um we were concerned that he had either arthritis or he had you know some joints out of whack or whatever um but they couldn't see anything they came up unfounded and we were just wondering we had heard about um chiropractors working on dogs Mm-hmm. And we know yeah. that maybe that this is a possibility that this could be his spine and not his actual legs or shoulders. Okay, yeah. So it's just his front end that's causing him problem? Yeah, yeah. He's um, We walk him like every other day, and then in the summertime he does, you know, swimming and stuff. Um, oh, fabulous exercise. Good for any kind of pet with a joint problem, so I endorse that. So he's he's limping, and they they have or they have not localized it to the shoulder. Are they just suspicious it's the shoulder? Have they looked at the elbow? Um, they did full X-rays of um, his elbows and shoulders. He did the whole upper part. There. Okay, so you've got um, a radioactive dog right now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. So if they've done all of that and and they're fairly comfortable, they're not finding anything orthopedically. Um, the one reason I was just backing up with elbows is because Labradors and elbow dysplasia are very common, and um, that's something that's not always early on. It's not very apparent by X-rays. With time, it generally shows up and you see some really arthritic-looking elbows. Um, but yeah, I, I would kind of share your concerns. If we can't find anything X-ray-wise in this mature doggy, then I would be considering maybe we need to look at the neck area because definitely dogs can have a problem with intermittent limping and pain and even favoring a particular leg and it can be driven by a pinched nerve um, or a disc problem in the neck. So okay. um, you may or may not need to make a choice to go on to a, a chiropractor at this point. We might just be as simple as saying, let's look at that spine with an X-ray um, okay. and evaluate that. And that can be done at your general veterinary office. Um, if they felt there's something that needed to be looked at more, then we might go to a veterinary neurologist that and they can look at that kind of thing a little bit more in detail. But um, have you tried any uh, remedies up to this point, any kind of uh, joint supplements, any kind of medications? No, no, we haven't. Um, the only, he's, he's also got separation anxiety, so the only medication <laughs> he's ever been on is uh, amitriphaline. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, just to help kind of ease those little nerves a little bit. <laughs> Well, the the big things that I want to make sure that, you know, as you're kind of deciding where you're going to go with things, is I want to make sure we keep your baby in good weight, because that's a big important thing when we're dealing with aches and pains in an older pet. Um, and if you don't already have them on a glucosamine supplement, by all means, let's get them on one, um, because I firmly believe in that. I got my aerobics knee from my college days, and I believe in glucosamine, and I see great responses with pets with um, low-grade arthritis and pain. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Drs. Foster and Smith Pet Supplies with thousands of quality products at low prices every day so you save on every order. Visit fosterandsmith.com. 
I'm Tammy Trujillo. Most stores are no longer selling jerky pet treats made in China. The treats were connected to thousands of dogs getting sick and more than 1,000 deaths. But the U.S. Food and Drug Administration could never determine what it was in the treats that was causing the issues. With the treats off the shelves, for the most part, the number of complaints to the FDA has gone down dramatically. But the agency says it still plans to continue the investigation. It's now going to report annually on its progress and urges anybody whose pet shows any signs of illness that might be related to jerky pet treats to report it to the FDA. While the FDA does not necessarily respond to every individual complaint submitted, the agency says each report is valuable and becomes part of the investigation. Hollywood's award season's winding down. We can't let it go, though, without a nod to the winners of the annual Poscars, the animal version of the Oscars. <laughs> yep, I didn't know they existed either, but apparently they've been going on for about eight years now. And the Lifetime Diva Achievement Award went to Crystal. Crystal's a capuchin monkey who was that key-stealing primate in Night at the Museum and also played a drug-dealing monkey in Hangover Part 2. Best Young Animal Performer went to a trio of pit bull puppies. They won for their work in the late James Gandolfino's last film, The Drop. It took tea, puppers, and ice, and a makeup artist to bring to life Rocco, the dog that appears in the mob drama. Of course, puppies grow so darn fast. The film needed three and a lot of non-toxic makeup to make them match. Best Supporting Equine went to Dale, a horse in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, who carries the ape's leader. And Best Aquatic Performance goes to Savannah, who plays a dolphin that dies in Dolphin Tale 2. And don't worry, a note here, the death scene itself was done with animatronics. So do you ever think about what's going to happen to your pets after you're gone? Kind of, you don't want to think about it, but you kind of ought to. One couple in India is making sure that their monkey named Chun Mun is all set. Prajesh and Shabista Zivratava have named him as their only child in their will, bequeathing him their house, their other properties, and all of their money. They've also started a fund that will raise money to rescue monkeys and build centers for their rehabilitation. They bought Chun Mun in 2005 when he was just a month old when they saw a man beating him with a stick alongside the road. In 2010, they had Chun Mun marry another monkey, Biddy, and they gave the pets their very own room, complete with air conditioning. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies. Visit FosterAndSmith.com for pet supplies selected by veterinarians with 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Doctors Foster and Smith, your trusted source for quality, affordable pet supplies. Veterinarian owned, with veterinary expertise behind every product. Doctors Foster and Smith has thousands of name brand pet products, including pet medications, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day, so you save on every order, with free shipping on orders $49 or more. Fast service delivered right to your door. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. You know canine caviar for their great human-grade ingredients in your dog's food. We now continue that tradition and excellent pet nutrition with seven single-serving cat food trays. We love our cats and dogs, and that's why we're featuring all human-grade tuna, salmon, and chicken proteins with other hand-chosen ingredients to promote proper nutrition. They're in environmentally friendly, recyclable, BPA-free plastic trays. Look for canine and feline caviar products at your local pet supply store or online. For more information, call 800-392-7890. Animal Radio's Hero People is underwritten by Zuterin, a non-surgical alternative to dog castration. One injection provides a safe, permanent, and virtually painless alternative to surgical castration. Learn more at www.zuterin.com. 
That's Z-E-U-T-E-R-I-N.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. It's Animal Radio, celebrating our connection with our pets toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And uh, we just got this email that came in on our app. On your show last week, a guy called in about a stop barking spray for barking dogs. I went to the store, and they had so many dog bark prevention items. There were collars, there were sprays. Uh, sprays that made noise. I think it would be grand to have a discussion on dog bark preventions. Thanks so much, Pam. And I think we were talking about... Were we talking about this? I believe so. The, this uh, is the pet corrective. Pet corrective. <laughs> that noise there. Boy, that'll correct anybody. Yeah. My <laughs> wife uses that on me. If I... Yeah, if I'm looking at another girl, she'll pop that at right, and I'm just... My attention is back. Just like that. Well, and that's what it does. It just... It catches the dog's attention so that you can redirect it and then hopefully get them to do some other behavior other than barking at that time. Mm-hmm. We have on the phone with us a uh, former Navy SEAL, Mike Ritland. Uh, Mike, how are you doing? Good, sir. How are you? Good. Thank you for your service. Let me just say that. You served in uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom as a Navy SEAL. Did you train dogs when you were there? Uh, no, actually, I didn't. I, uh, you know, my That's where my interest came from, uh, you know, in, in terms of, of military working dogs was from being there. There was a group of Marines that were in an area that we were operating in that had a dog, and it saved uh, a bunch of them. And uh, it, it just it was kind of my light switch moment, if you will. That's when the epiphany of- happened, and you... You wanted to do something different, yes? Yeah, absolutely, yep. So I, uh, you know, I just kind of dove head first into it, and uh, and then years later, uh, after I started, I got out of the military uh, in 08, late '08, and uh, started my own company, and I received the training contract for uh, for the West Coast SEAL Team Canine Program wow. as a trainer for, for them uh, in 2011 and 2012. So yeah, it, you know, it was, for me, it was kind of a, the best of both worlds. I still got to do a lot of the, the soft specific type of work, but uh, but integrating dogs and, you know, guys that I had been to war with, guys that I was a SEAL instructor with were now handlers, and I, you know, had the pleasure of, of you know, working with them and training them and their dogs to uh, to go deploy, so it was pretty uh, pretty phenomenal experience. Yeah. You also created the uh, Warrior Dog Foundation, which helps dogs transition from the war zone to back at home, just like soldiers would need that transition, right? Correct, yeah. The Warrior Dog Foundation is, uh, is essentially a vehicle to uh, retire first and foremost, uh, special operations working dogs. So, uh, you know, we, we act as a, either as a sanctuary for them if, if we can't uh, adopt them out or in uh, about half of the cases, you know, we're actually able to rehabilitate them and, and adopt them out to, uh, private individuals and, in, in, uh, you know, some instances families or former handlers or, uh, you know, just whatever, uh, whatever the situation dictates. So yeah, it's something that's very close to our heart. Do you see a lot of dogs with the PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome disorder? Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, you know, it's 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 a little different. Uh, you know, because dogs don't have the ability to reason the way people do. It's uh, it's more of just a negative association with certain stimulus, whether it's uh, an environment, a sound, a combination of the two. Um, you know, there's so the good the good news is is that you know if you think of it in, in terms of a piggy bank with negative coins in it. Uh, what we do is is associate whatever that negative experience is with something overwhelmingly positive to the dog and very slowly uh, kind of graduate them to where it's neutral and then now it's positive and, and get them to where, uh, you know, it no longer triggers, you know, what, what I refer to it as combat stress-related 
issues that uh, that they have. So, so do they need um, special handling, or can they go to any kind of family? Or does special, the family have to be specially trained to handle this specific type well, for, of dog? Yeah, I mean, for sure, the the, the people ha- need to have experience. You know, these are, are not dogs for most people. Uh, I wouldn't even say they're not for everyone. I'd say they're not for most people. Um, you do need experience. The environment has to be right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and we have. You know, an enormous database of people who have volunteered, which is very humbling and, and flattering. And, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, never turn a volunteer away. Having said that, you know, it, it's kind of a, a first come, best fit, not so much a first come, first sure. serve. So, what have you noticed uh, that the, these dogs suffer from? Because we we hear that some of the troops that come back, like a third of them, end up committing suicide. And sure. I'm wondering, are the dogs affected that way too? Well, no. You know, again, because you know the the from my perspective, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but, you know, on the, on the human side, you, you've got the ability to reason sure. what took place, why you were there, you know, whatever it is that happened, you know, you, you think about that. Dogs are, are simple association animals. They are very, you know, here and now, black and white, um, you know, live in the moment, water under the bridge type thing. But they, but they, because they make those simple associations, if you do it enough time, no different than when you're training a dog to do something. Uh, you know, if they remember what sit means, obviously they, they think and, and can remember what that means and then they perform that behavior. So on the, on the flip side of that is that if, if they learn that helicopters are associated with, uh, in, in incredibly stressful environments, uh, then they may start to shut down or show handler aggression or, uh, or anxiety type behaviors. Uh, you know, when they hear helicopter noises. So, well, I'm thinking like the 4th of July would be mayhem. Yeah. Absolutely. It can be. You know, gunfire is a very typical, you know, noise that uh, that can trigger things like that. And so, you know, again, the good thing is, is, as an example, we may use a very small caliber from a long way away while we're doing something overwhelmingly positive with the dog playing, dog playing ball, exercising, going for a run, whatever. And then slowly but surely we desensitize them to, to whatever it is that triggers them uh, and get them to the point where, you know, months down the road or in some instances even years, uh, you know, you can you can fire, uh, you know, a larger caliber gun uh, right in their presence and, and they completely ignore it. Check out the website. This is really what I'm thrilled about, warriordogfoundation.org, warriordogfoundation.org. And, of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is Animal Radio. Hi, George. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from? I'm in Muskegon, Michigan right now. George, what's going on with you? Dr. Debbie's on with us here. Hi. I have a female Airedale at Spades. She's three years old. Her weight was up to 130 pounds. And uh, about a year ago, we put her on a diet. And the doctor wants her down to around, the the vet wants her down to about 100 pounds. But I can't get her below 117. And all I feed her is uh, a cup of uh, dried dog food in the morning mixed with a half can of green beans and the same thing at night. Do you think she looks pudgy? Yeah, she's kind of a little bit white at the crust of mac. But uh, I got her from Airedale Rescue when she was three months old, and she weighed 35 pounds then. 
Oh, when she was little, yeah. <laughs> they grew up to be big girls, but uh, yeah, I would say at 130, that definitely sounds as a number, it sounds high. And if you're going by the, the body condition score, which is usually what most veterinarians use where we look at your pet and we look for some certain outlines and shapes that we want to see. And if she doesn't have a nice little narrow waist when you're standing above her and she kind of looks like a pretty much like a rectangular potato, <laughs> then that's not what we want. We want to have a nice little silhouette. So um, I guess the first thing I'd ask you as far as, um, you know, food-wise, as far as is she actually on a weight loss diet? I am feeding her uh, for about a year now, uh, blue buffalo. Um, and um, has your veterinarian expressed any concerns for anything health-wise, any kind of hormone problems? Because one of the big things I'd be looking for in a dog that can't drop the weight would be potentially a thyroid problem. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that myself. And it's a very common hormonal problem, so if she hasn't been screened for that yet, I would definitely draw some blood and check her for that. Um, a low thyroid level in dogs can cause problems with weight gain, as well as some other hair coat problems where they get kind of dry skin um, and, and can have some activity problems. So that would be definitely something I'd look at. And I would really encourage you to use a weight loss diet in more of a prescription strength. Um, and that basically means nothing wrong with the food you're feeding right now, but when we're really trying to make some sincere efforts at getting that, that poundage off, um, it is advisable to use a prescription weight loss food. Um, it gets a little bit more calorie restrictive than general over-the-counter uh, weight loss foods that are out there. Um, and then, and the other thought is um, there is actually a weight loss drug for dogs. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Slentrol, and it actually is a drug that helps to curb their appetite. And we only want to use it in a healthy dog that doesn't have a thyroid problem, doesn't have a liver problem. But that is really useful for some pets that just can't get that weight off or that have a very strong appetite. Let's uh, head on over to Jerry Grimick. We, we check in with Jerry every year about this time. Well, actually, a little before this time. He works over at the Hotel Penn. And, of course, they roll out the red carpet there for all the animals for Westminster. And, uh, by the way, a beagle winning this year? <laughs> shocking. Yeah, very, very shocking. Uh, anyhow, we figured this year we'd call him after the fact to find out kind of uh, what went on this year at Westminster. Jerry, welcome back to the show. Hey, look at that. Hello, Judy. Great, great, great to speak to you again. Now, Have you recuperated? I've had my flea bath. No kidding. These are clean dogs. They don't need any flea baths. Um, I'm clean, bathed. I'm relaxed. I've slept for 30 hours. I'm good to go. Well, now, it was pretty busy over at the hotel this year. And did the Beagle uh, stay at your hotel by chance that won? No, it's and it's interesting because we had the original Beagle that won. The first Beagle, I would say, is Uno. Yes. And we didn't have this one. But you know what? I don't know if you know that Miss P is a descendant of Uno. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, wow. This is what's interesting. I gotta tell you, at first Miss P was, everyone was saying, well, it's a beagle, a beagle's not gonna win again. And as soon as people heard, the chatter started about, it's a descendant of Uno, that's when everyone started thinking, uh oh, I think Miss P may have a chance. And before Uno, it had been a hundred years before that the beagle had ever taken that title. You know your stats, good job. Yes, you're so correct. And you know what? And remember, when Uno won, it was a surprise then. Yeah, yeah, well, it sort of is. You, you figure the uh, beagle, kind of a very common dog. You bet you the people's dog. Oh, yes. It is the people's dog. 
Uh, so what what kind of craziness did you see over at the hotel this year? I know every year these uh, these owners and some of the uh, the people that have to take care of the dogs they go way above and beyond for the dogs. Oh, I got to tell you, they dress the dogs in the same way that they're dressed. I've seen owners and dogs in similar matching Afghan. Oh no, uh, scarves. It was just unbelievable. Similar hairdos. That's an odd one. That was an odd one. Well, I know Joey, he says that occasionally people come in and they want the same hairstyle as their dogs. Is that correct, Joey? Oh, absolutely. The, right, the next day, if you have a dog that has a lot of coat, they're coming in with a picture and say, this is what I want my dog to look like. So why not the that. same outfits, right? Yeah, exactly. What about food? Any strange food requests this year? Yes, I love it. There was this one. I was walking, and I'm walking outside to get some air, and I'm walking by a grilled sub shop, and there's an actual dog owner in there. And I just happen to be passing by, and there's people in there, and she's talking to her dog saying, what sub would you like? Oh, no. <laughs> now it's going to personalize. Personalized subs were big this year. And i got to tell you, that dog, by the way, it went for a grilled chicken sub. Uh-huh. Grilled chicken is lean, right? It's lean, good protein before the show. Yeah, you don't want to pack on the pounds before you go on stage. <laughs> exactly. The meatball subs were after, right? <laughs> this year it was uh, extra cold there, wasn't it? I I oh. seem to remember, like, yee. They said, on the Sunday especially, it wasn't this cold since about 1993. Wow. But the show goes on, right? Oh, you are right. It's gone on through world wars, through electrical outages, you name it. And it's the second longest running sporting event. What's the first longest? The Kentucky Derby. Oh, good to know. There's another Both little fact. animal events. <laughs> I love it. This is an educational program. It is. I, love it. <laughs> I learned so much from this show. That's the only reason I show up every week. Jer- Jerry, we'll check in with you next year. Really appreciate it. Can't wait. Take care. Let's head back to the phones for your calls. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Let's uh, go to Kara. Hey, Kara, how are you doing? I'm good. Where are you calling from today? I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota. I love me. I just love how you guys talk. What's going on? Um, okay, so I have a cat, and if I were to get another cat, well, then my my cat that I have now doesn't get along with that one. Like, she'll hiss, you know, poof her tail up, meow. And I was wondering, is there, like, a way that I can, you know, get her to become friends if I wanted to get another cat? Or So you have two cats already, and they're, they're not getting along? No, I only have one, and oh, okay. I want to get another one. All right. So, I mean, there's some definitely some big guidelines that I can give you. And I'll tell okay. you a couple big mistakes that people do when they're adding a cat to the home. Number one is that they don't match the personalities of the cats. So okay. it's very, it's more important to match a personality to a like cat than it is a, say, the male-female thing. We don't really worry about that in cats. Dogs, we talk mm-hmm. about it. In cats, it doesn't matter if a male is with a female. What we want is the personality to be compatible. So if you have a very outgoing cat that's kind of an in-your-face, more aggressive cat in the sense that, you know, is more vocal, more mm-hmm. demanding, then you want a cat with a similar personality. What you do yeah, okay. want to get is a really kind of laid-back, passive, um, not a very interactive cat because they're going to have more likeliness of problems. So that's the first thing okay. is really look for that same kind of personality. Now, I'm not saying go out and find an aggressive dog, a cat, but, but really just a cat that's more bold, outgoing, and that is less apt to have fear with uh, new situations. So that's the biggest thing. Um, the next thing that I'll tell you is that when you do add a new cat, the f- biggest mistake we make is that we push the kitties too fast together. 
Um, <laughs> and mm-hmm. cats, their their whole behavior and socialization, they move at a different pace than dogs do. So you, you really got to give them their space, introduce them gradually, and you want to okay. make sure that that's going to be done even with separation. So a cat might be in one part of the house, and then the other cat will be in the other part of the house. You switch bedding so they get used to each other's scents, and then we gradually put them together. That's the yeah, best okay. way to, to let them get used to things. Now, the other thing I'm going to tell you is that if you've got an adult cat, you really should be looking for a young cat. Age does matter um, because that also helps to facilitate an introduction. If you've got a young cat that's coming in kind of on the bottom of the kitty totem pole, if you will, and uh-huh. um, the adult cat um, will feel less threatened and the young cat is going to be less apt to want to kind of kind of take charge and uh-huh. challenge in that situation. So, so those are some of the really big things. Um, and then combining that with making sure you have, when you do get these guys in the same environment, that you have lots of resources for them. So resources for cats means lots of water bowls, food bowls, extra litter sites. So you should have at least three sites where these cats can have options in different areas of the house to eliminate. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want to kind of make sure that there's not a lot of competition, um, even in a physical sense, where they have to cross over to one part of the house to get to that food bowl. Um, And then Mm -hmm. you'll have a a happier feline household if there's less, uh, less things to argue and fight about. All right. Nope, that's it. Thank you. Thanks for All calling, right. Carl. Send us pictures. We want to see this brand new addition to your family, okay? <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, once again, it has just flown by. I encourage you, if you need your Animal Radio fix, head on over to AnimalRadio.com. You can even download the Animal Radio app for your iPhone and Android. Listen at your heart's content and ask questions whenever you desire. Be sure to check out Dr. Debbie's books, Yorkshire Terriers, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friends, Shih Tzu's, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friends, Pugs, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friends, and Mini Schnauzers. How to Be Your Dog's Best Friends, all four books are available over at Kindle. And, of course, we have links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Have yourself a great week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. This is Animal Radio Network.